Well, welcome. Another week has passed, and uh, the days just seem to blend one into the other as we are physically distancing, staying at home. And uh, I must say, I look forward to Sundays because it gives me a chance to get out of the uh, very nice home prison, but that's what it is. And uh, I come here, drive into the garage, come upstairs, don't see anyone. Uh, sit here in a glass booth, uh, totally protected, and I'm staring, believe it or not, at this giant bucket size uh, wipes, uh, Lysol wipes. I've never seen anything like this before. Uh, it, it is a, a bucket uh, filled with these uh, wipes. So the station is really doing everything to try to protect us here. The microphones are wiped and the tables are wiped and uh, I'm not going to pick up any virus here. All right, uh, so what are we going to do today? Obviously, we do have to talk some about uh, COVID-19. It's not going away. It's not going away for a long time. We'll talk a little bit about it. But again, uh, I'm... Uh, in the distraction uh, phase, uh, because I, I think we do also have to get away from talking about it all the time. So as I suggested this morning uh, on the trivia show, and as I mentioned last time, we will take a little bit of a break after the uh, traffic check at 3.15. We'll play a little science quiz. And you know how that works. I ask a question, you get it right, we ask another question. You can get on the line right now if you want to play that little game at 514-790-0800, 514-790-0800. And of course, that is the number to call anyway for any questions that you may have about anything that I may be able to answer in the realm of science. <clears throat> My background is chemistry, and uh, I direct McGill University's Office for Science and Society, where our mandate is to make sure that uh, our students and the public get the right information about science. We scrutinize the uh, scientific literature for you, try to interpret it, uh, discover what is of importance, bring that to your attention. We try to separate sense from nonsense, fact from fiction. You can always check my Facebook page. You just go to Facebook, go to Joe Schwartz, and uh, you'll find a lot of interesting information there. And you can also <clears throat> go to our website, www.mcgill.ca slash OSS. A lot of good stuff there, and you can sign up for our free weekly newsletter. Something else that you can now do is... Uh, Look at the uh, uh, reruns of the weekly online shows that we have been doing every Thursday uh, with my colleagues, uh, Emily Shore, Jonathan Jerry, and guests, uh, often my daughter, Debbie Schwartz, who's an emergency room doctor. We address uh, uh, questions about COVID-19 and other stuff as well. Uh, you can take a look at, uh, I think, six episodes we have done already. And uh, if you go to our webpage, mcgill.ca slash OSS, you can find them. The next one will be this uh, this coming Thursday. And uh, again, we will chat about uh, all the new stuff that emerges and stuff emerges. Uh, just about uh, hour by hour, there's always something new that uh, that comes up. Up to uh, the onset of this curse, uh, I had never heard of the pangolin. <laughs> 
Now, of course, we see it everywhere. We see stories about pangolins everywhere. What is it? Well, uh, with an appearance that sort of looks like a cross between an anteater and an armadillo, uh, believe it or not, the pangolin is the most illegally trafficked animal in the world. Most of us here in the West have never heard of this strange-looking creature until, oh, I think last February or maybe early March. And that's when Chinese researchers claimed that a virus that was found in pangolins was 99% identical with the SARS-CoV-2 virus. And they proposed that the virus may have jumped to humans from these animals. Uh, interesting observation. It, it, uh, there's no universal agreement that this happened because uh, the virus is, is not totally equivalent to what we have uh, uh, seen in, in humans. But there is actually uh, one genetic sequence uh, in that virus that does code for a protein that seems to be the one that the virus uses to attach to cells. As we've discussed many times before, uh, in order for the virus to enter a cell, uh, to infect it, it needs first to lock on to the outside of the cell. And it does that by latching on to what is called the receptor. And the receptor in this case is the angioconverting enzyme 2, angiotensin converting enzyme 2. And uh, this is a large protein molecule located on the surface of, of cells and mostly in the respiratory tract, but also found in the kidneys and the GI tract. And the virus latches onto this very much like a key fits into a lock. And once it has locked on, then it can invade the cell. Now, it turns out that the, um, the virus that was isolated from the um, pangolin indeed does uh, have some genetic sequences that code for the protein that is needed to latch onto that ACE2 um, uh, enzyme. Interesting where, you know... Uh, this is going to go. And eventually, I think we'll find out whether or not the, the pangolin really uh, is, is involved. The thinking is that the virus originated from bats uh, and probably somehow, likely through bat poop, uh, it commingled with viruses that were naturally present in the pangolin anyway. And it came up with this new mixed uh, virus uh, that causes the problem. That's the theory uh, anyway. Unfortunately, uh, the pangolin, uh, as I said, is the most hunted uh, species in the world, most hunted mammal illegally. And that is because in Asia, its flesh is prized as a delicacy. And also it is believed that the scales of the animal have medicinal value. And they're supposed to be good for lactation, good to be good for all ailments, in, including cancer. The fact is that this just is not the case. Those scales are just made of keratin, which is a protein, is the same protein that we have in our hair and in our nails, and uh, it doesn't have any kind of medicinal value. But in traditional Chinese medicine, uh, it supposedly does. And because of this, the, peng, uh, the um, pangolin has been hunted, and uh, it is uh, on the road towards uh, extinction. But now, Luckily for this animal, because of the supposed connection to COVID-19, the uh, search for various pangolin products has decreased because people are scared uh, of the viral connection. So there is a, a potential benefit here for the uh, pangolin. Uh, 
even though, of course, for us, this virus is a terrible curse, for the pangolin, uh, it might be exactly what saves it from uh, becoming extinct. Uh, I've never seen a live pangolin. I am looking forward to seeing one if we ever have a chance to travel again, uh, because it looks such an interesting, unusual animal, and it gives rise only to to one offspring at a time, which is uh, you know uh, relatively uh, uncommon in the animal uh, kingdom. So now we know a little bit about this unusual creature that looks like an anteater. Uh, crossed together with her armadillo, and it may be connected to COVID-19. Sulfide synthetic salt, artificial barley malt, glycerin, and aspartate, folic acid. As many of you know, for the last, uh, oh, I, I guess it's uh, probably about 30 years, which is almost as long as I've been on CJD, which is going to be 40 years in June, uh, for 30 years, I've been doing a monthly lecture at the Cote St. Luke Public Library, the Eleanor London Public Library, on the first Monday of every month. And uh, obviously, because of the current situation, we cannot have large gatherings, but we have made arrangements uh, to still be able to produce these lectures. But of course, it is going to be done on video by Zoom. So tomorrow at 2 o'clock, you can join me, and I'll be talking about dietary supplements, mostly the ones that may or may not be of any benefit in battling COVID-19. How do you do this? All you have to do is go to the Eleanor London Public Library website, and the instructions should be there, and it will be a simple click, and you'll be connected at 2 o'clock tomorrow. So you can check that out. It's uh, the Eleanor London Public Library. That, of course, is in Cote St. Luke, although now it's irrelevant where it is. All you have to do is go to the website and uh, see how you can connect tomorrow. Should be an interesting discussion that we'll have about dietary supplements and, uh, and COVID-19. All right, let's see whether or not we can um, play our little game here. And we have Stephen on the line. Hi, Stephen. Hi, Joe. How are you? All right. You ready to go? Sure. All right. Um, what is the largest planet in our solar system? Mercury. No. In fact, I think Mercury is the smallest. <laughs> Isn't Pluto the smallest? Like, don't they get smaller as you go along? Uh, no. 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 You, you have struck out on the first uh, question. Okay. Uh, but care. I give you one other Okay. Shot at it. One other shot. Go ahead. At the, at the planet, the largest planet. Well, it's another not shot of that. It's not Mercury and it's not Pluto. Uh, how about Venus? Nope. All right, we're going to give someone else a shot. Okay. So now the question that is hanging out there is this one What is the largest planet in our solar system? You get that right, and then we will go on from there. All right. Who do we have here? Hello? I know we have someone on this line. I just don't know who it is. Do we have someone? Thanks <laughs> to me. Hi. Who, who do we Hi, have? I just wanted to uh, answer some of the get on the science quiz. Okay. So the, the question that we have hanging up there is uh, the largest planet in our Jupiter. solar system is Jupiter. Very good. You know, and it's really quite amazing because Jupiter is two and a half times the size of all the other planets put together. So that's one big planet. Okay. Next question. 
What are sterile honeybees called? Bumblebees? No. All right. No, Thank you. No. All right. So that's the next question. We'll wait to see whether or not we get an answer to that. I want to know what sterile honeybees are called. Sterile honeybees. What are they called? All right. Let's try line number seven here. Who do we have here? Hello? No? Okay, I guess we, we lost the, the person. All right, we do have someone else here. Hi. Hi, my name is Jean-Pierre, and I'm calling for the... Okay, so what are uh, sterile honeybees called? Uh, uh, drones? No, they're not drones. I'll give you one other shot at this one. Oh, another answer? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. All right. So, all right. We'll leave that one hanging, but I'm going to give you another question. Uh, What is the largest cell in the human body? The skin. No, the skin is not a cell. The skin is the largest organ Organ, in the human body. Uh, I don't know. I'll give you a clue. It's found in women. It's what? It's in women. The uterus? No. The uterus, again, is an organ. It's not a cell. Okay. Okay. Well, we've got two questions out there that hopefully someone will answer. One of them is, what what are sterile honeybees called? And the other is, what is the largest cell in the human body? What is the largest cell in the human body? All right. Let's let's go to Marlene. Marlene? Marlene? Okay. Let's try the next one. Who do we have there? Hi, it's Gary. Hi. Hi. <laughs> okay. How'd you know that? <laughs> the ster- the uh, sterile honeybees, what are they called? Workers. Workers, yeah. very good. Yeah. All right, next, what is the largest cell in the human body? Probably a bit. Probably a. Go ahead. So probably a brain cell. No, it is not a brain cell. Uh, the clue I said was that it, this, this particular cell is found in women. Can you oh, do man. anything with that clue? Oh, my God. That's a good one. Uh, I don't know. All right, we're going to keep that one hanging out there. So, (laughs) all right, thanks a lot. All right, so next question. Uh, What is the largest cell in the human body? The largest cell in the human body. And uh, let's see if, uh, I think this is Michael on the line? No, it's Gary. It's Gary. Yeah. All right, Gary. Largest cell in the human body. Oi, oi, oi. Oh, no, let me see. Oh, that's a good one. It's in women. I got the, I got the bees down. <laughs> All right, we gotta wait. We gotta wait for another call. I I think we got a little bit of confusion here with the calls. All yeah, right. you did there. But okay. That's okay. Okay. Thanks. All right. All right. We're waiting. Seven nine zero zero eight hundred five one four seven nine zero zero eight hundred. The question that is still out there: the largest cell in the human body. Largest cell in the human body. What? Is it? You know the answer. You give us a call. Okay. Who do we have here? Oh, I, I think we've got a little bit of confusion here with the calls. Yeah, All right. You did there, but okay. that's okay. Yeah. Who do we have here? Hi. This is Mark. Mark. Yeah. The largest organ, uh, the largest cell, sorry, is a uh, human egg. That's right. Yes. The human egg. The human egg. Yeah. The, the clue, of course, was that it is found in female, is indeed the largest cell in the human body. Okay, yeah. you, you have earned the right to another question. What what color is liquid oxygen? What color is liquid oxygen? Okay, 
transparent, translucent? No, it isn't. It isn't. Uh, that's uh, a trick question. Oxygen in the air, of course, uh, doesn't have any color. But if you take oxygen and you condense it until it becomes a liquid, it certainly does have a color. All right, so we're going to uh, leave uh, that question now uh, hanging. Let's see if we can get someone else to uh, answer that one. Let's go to Quinn. Quinn. Yes. Joe. Yes. What is the color of liquid oxygen? Would that be blue, Joe? Yes, it is. Very good. Right. It is a pale blue color. And you know what else is very interesting about liquid oxygen? No. When you pour it in between the poles of a magnet, it's attracted to one of the poles. You can actually see the liquid Ooh, change. Lovely. Okay, next question for you. Uh, what did Stephen Hawking suffer from? Oh, gee, don't know. Okay, so that's the question. I'm going to leave that hanging. We're going to take a break here. We'll check news, listen to the Dr. Joe show, and we're still going to keep going for a few more minutes with this. The question is, what did Stephen Hawking suffer from? What disease? We'll get back to our little quiz in just a moment, but uh, this past week I've had dozens and dozens of emails asking uh, me to look at a video put out by Judy Mikovits. And uh, this has uh, scooted around the internet. Uh, it's had millions of, of views. It's a, really amazing because it's a totally absurd uh, video about uh, how this whole coronavirus uh, thing was the uh, result of a conspiracy. And uh, this uh, video, which is very slickly produced, is called Plandemic. Not a bad <laughs> not a bad name, I must say, for what they're saying, because it's planned epidemic, pandemic. Now, the problem is that this critter, Judy Mikovits, actually does have scientific background, and she has some research experience that goes back many, many years, and she has credentials. She has a, a relevant PhD, and she has published. Now, it turns out that uh, the paper that uh, got her some fame was all about uh, chronic fatigue syndrome, and she claimed that this was caused by a virus. It turned out that uh, nobody was able to duplicate her work, and she herself was not able to duplicate it. The paper was eventually retracted, and she got into a, 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 a battle with the uh, research uh, institute, uh, apparently unrelated to the retraction of that paper, but anyway, she was fired, and when she was fired, she stole some papers and some computer data for which she was later arrested. And uh, uh, there were no charges laid, but she was spent a few days in, in jail for stealing the, the, the stuff. Of course, in the video, she insinuates that she was put in jail because Deep State was somehow trying to silence her because of the revelations about all the things that viruses do. They cause autism, they, they uh, um, cause uh, uh, MS, they cause all kinds of diseases. And uh, this is just a, a plethora of, of uh, nonsense. But now she's come out with this uh, a book also, which is on uh, Amazon and apparently is number one bestseller after this, this video where she talks all about the, the conspiracy and how Anthony Fauci is involved in the conspiracy and Bill Gates of all people. Bill Gates, who has given millions and millions and millions to research uh, vaccines and research health and, and help people in third world countries, 
is being accused of somehow trying to kill off the population in this ludicrous uh, video. Now, YouTube has taken it off because uh, it uh, is just so nonsensical, but uh, uh, there are still people who manage to put pieces of it back on there. And of course, there are people who believe uh, in this uh, conspiracy. And uh, I've uh, seen many of these silly videos, but this one really takes the cake. But it is also very dangerous because she sounds reasonable uh, until you start reading upon it. There's an extremely good article about her on Snopes, which is a website that uh, separates sense from nonsense. And uh, there's an excellent article by David Gorsky. Dr. David Gorsky is, is a surgical oncologist who blogs regularly about... Uh, uh, differences between fact and fiction. And he's uh, got a site, it's called Respectful Insolence. And uh, you can find uh, amazing critique of this silly video there. So you just Google Gorski and uh, uh, this uh, video, uh, Judy Mikovits, and you will find an excellent uh, critique. Okay, well, let's uh, let's get back to uh, the quiz, and uh, I think we have William on the line. Hi, William. Hi. Hi. All right, so you want to play a little bit, right? Yeah. Okay, let me, uh, let me go to my uh, quiz questions, and uh, all right. Um, who first proposed that the planets revolved around the sun? Um, Copernicus. Uh, uh, Copernicus, yes. Very, very good. Okay. And the question that I had from before, uh, what disease did Stephen Hawking suffer from? Stephen Hawking, of course, was the famed physicist. Spent his life. ALS, yeah. Amyotrophic lateral sclerosis. You know what is another name for that disease? Um, a more no. common common name that people would know. Ascoliosis? No, no. Lou Gehrig's disease. Oh. Uh, Lou Gehrig, of course, was a baseball player, first baseman for New York Yankees, uh, who suffered from uh, from ALS. <clears throat> okay. Uh, so you got two there. Uh, let me give you another one. What did archaeologist Howard Carter discover in 1922? Uh, I don't know. You want to take a guess? It was in Egypt. What did he? He's an archaeologist discovered in 1922. Um, a, a, a pyramid, maybe? No, but you're not that far off. All right, we're going to give someone else a chance. Thanks very much. Thank you. Okay, Barbara. Barbara? Hi, Dr. Hi. Joe. I'm so psyched that you're putting your um, your lecture on the website because 30 years ago, I remember going regularly to the Code St. Luke Library and listening to you. I'm just so psyched. Anyway, I know... 30 years ago, you must have been a baby. I, my babies were babies. <laughs> now they're... They have babies now. <laughs> All right. Uh, the largest to... cell, the largest cell I know, because I, I teach body systems, is the ovum. Yes, we we the we did we ovum. had the answer to that already, though. We okay. had the answer. We had the answer. Okay. So uh, the question that uh, I have outstanding the is the arch. Yeah. What discovery did Howard Carter make in 1922? Uh, he discovered the tomb. Yes. In... Who's whose tomb? Uh, the 18th Dynasty Pharaoh. Who was that? To, Come on, he's the most Tutankhamun. famous. Yes, Tutankhamun. He discovered King Tut's tomb. Very good. All right, you have 
earned. Uh, another question. <clears throat> oh, yay. What is the only human organ that can regenerate itself? Oh, the only human... Uh, the liver. Yes, very good. Okay, you're hot here. You're oh, getting no. another question. <laughs> I'm not hot. I... I... <laughs> I do body system. All right. Uh, okay, I got another body system question for you then. Oh, what is okay. the only what is the only human organ that can float in water? Oh, if you think uh, if you think about it, it's kind of obvious. I don't bile. No. Oh no, it's an organ. You said it's right? an organ. No, I wouldn't know. All right, we'll see if someone else gets that question. We've got to take a little break here and check on the non-existent traffic out there. You're listening to the Dr. Joe Show, and let's see if we can get an answer to what is the uh, human organ that can float in water. We'll be right back. Another question that I was asked several times this week about a connection between cannabis and, and COVID-19, and that is because there were a lot of media reports about research uh, from University of Lethbridge in, in uh, Alberta uh, that uh, suggested that uh, uh, a particular extract of cannabis that was high in CBD, cannabidiol, uh, may have an effect. I want to tell you a little bit about this because it's interesting. I mean, there's something there, but it's a long way from, from <laughs> recommending uh, CBD. Uh, and as you know, just about every avenue uh, is being explored uh, about COVID-19. And uh, cannabis, of course, is, is one of those because we know that cannabis does have some medicinal value. So anyway, recently the, the media really hit upon this uh, study by uh, researchers, uh, uh, Igor Kovalchuk at the University of Lethbridge, and he looked at uh, cannabis sativa extracts that had a high concentration of CBD uh, to see whether or not it had any kind of connection to infection by the SARS-CoV-2 virus. Well, anyway, it's well known that for the virus to invade a cell, it first has to attach to a receptor on the cell surface, and I mentioned this to you earlier today. That receptor is the angiotensin II converting enzyme, ACE2 we call it, and this in turn is formed by instructions from genes inside of the cell's DNA. Extracts of cannabis sativa were found to downregulate the expression of these genes. So what does that mean? It means that fewer receptor molecules are being produced. So remember these ACE2 molecules sit on the surface of cells, they formed because the cell sends out instructions from its DNA to form them. So if you can interfere with that messaging, there are fewer of these receptors form. And that in turn means that the virus has fewer receptors with which to interact and a reduced chance of invading the cell. The researchers suggest that appropriate cannabis extracts could be used to formulate mouthwashes and gargles to reduce the risk of contracting COVID-19. That's pretty interesting. But before everyone gets too excited about this, I want to point out that this study was carried out in the lab on isolated cells purchased from a, a company that sells uh, human cells. So this was not a clinical study in humans. It was not even done in animals. It was done on isolated cells. A cell culture study like this is very, very far from a clinical trial. And all it means is that further trials are warranted. 
And of course, it is also important to test the safety of cannabis in patients infected with the coronavirus. We don't know that cannabis is safe in those patients. That has never been looked at. So while this study is interesting and it's a stepping stone towards further studies, I don't think anyone should make more of it. Uh, cannabis may make you feel somewhat better if you are afflicted by this virus, but it has nothing at this point to do with preventing the disease. But it certainly is an interesting uh, uh, study to uh, look at. All right, let me get back to John. Hi, John. Hey, Dr. Joe. Hey. All right. You ready to, to answer some uh, questions here? We'll try. We'll try. Okay. Let me just get some quiz questions up for you. All right. So we left it off with um, the human organ that uh, can float in water. Yeah, I would think the uh, the brain. No, the brain actually sinks. The brain uh -huh. sinks. Okay, okay. give you one other chance because it's, think about it a little bit. Where does air get into the body? Oh, so it's probably the lungs. Yes, it is the lungs. Oh, yes, yeah. it is the lungs. The lungs, of course, are filled with these little, right. little, right. you know, balloons, the alveoli. Okay. What acid does the stomach use to digest food? Oh, hydrochloric acid. Yeah, hydrochloric. Very good. Uh, what element is named after the creator of dynamite? Oh. Who invented dynamite? Nobel? Uh, yes, Nobel yeah. invented dynamite. You know what the element is called? Nobelium? Yes. Very good. Okay. <laughs> we keep growing. I see that you are elemental, so I'll give you another one. Uh, what did Marie Curie name the first element she discovered? Uh, we'll see, uranium? No, it was named after her native land. So, Where did uh, she come from? France. No, no, she worked Poland? in France. Yes, Poland. So what was Polonium. The, Polonium. Polonium. Very good. All right. A light year is a unit... To measure what? This a light. This the length of time for something to travel. A light to travel. Uh, well, like year. well, yeah. But what is a, a unit to to measure what? Like a kilogram is is used to oh, measure. Oh, meters per second. Three times eight meters to the second. No, that's that's the unit. That's the unit. But but it's a measure of what? Like like I said, time. You know, time. time. No, it's no. Not distance. Distance, yes. Light year, of course, is the measure of distance. It is the distance that a li that light travels in one year, and I, that, of course, is a very long distance. All right, I give you that. Next, what is the ancient practice of drilling holes in the skull to cure illness called? Ah, uh, the ancient practice. Well, they're burr holes. What is the ancient practice called? I don't know. All right. Well, you did pretty okay. well there. You Thank got you. about four, four of those. Okay. Okay. Let All right. Show. Thanks. Bro. Let's see if someone else knows about uh, drilling of holes in the skull to uh, basically fix mental illness. That that used to be the belief. Patrick. Patrick. Yes. Yes. Do you know what the practice of drilling holes in the skull? To... I know the practice. Yes. So the practice. So the practice today is. Uh, to relieve pressure in the brain, but I don't think that's what they used it for back in, I think it was to cure madness, no? Well, yes, but what what is this practice called? Oh, what is it called? Um, well, I don't know. I give you one final clue. It, start, it starts with the letter T. T. 
T? T, like Tom. Oh, P? T, I, T. I don't hear that. T, like Tom. Oh, T, like Tom? Like tempering? No, like, it's not tempering. It's not tempering, but but uh, it's... Like, uh, you're kind of sure. getting there, but... but like, no. <laughs> like, All right, we'll, we'll see okay, if anyone yeah, else can uh, come up with that. Okay, so we, we did have a couple of, you know, pretty pretty good uh, answers there. So I still have this question hanging out. What is this uh, technique called? The technique whereby they would drill holes in the skull. And this, this goes back, um, believe it or not, thousands of years uh, to, to uh, almost prehistoric times. And uh, it was believed that uh, maybe uh, spirits uh, had invaded the body when someone was sick. And to let them out, you drilled a hole in the skull. And what is amazing is that we have evidence that some people actually survive this because you can tell that from the, the uh, skulls that have been found where you can see healing around the, uh, uh, the area where a hole was, uh, was drilled. And believe it or not, there are still people today who claim that this is uh, a practice that uh, has benefits and they are drilling uh, small holes into the brain in order to, to make them smarter. Uh, really quite amazing. All right, let's see one final shot here. Do you know what the uh, technique is called? Hello? Oh, hello. Hi. Do you know what the technique of drilling a, a hole in nah, the head is? I mean, I'm thinking lobotomy. No, it's not a lobotomy. It's not a lobotomy. The lo oh, lobotomy okay. actually is a severing of, of some of the connections in, in the brain. I saw it with the Kennedys. One flew over the cuckoo's nest. Yes, yes, that was lobotomy, but that was not uh, the no, same no, thing. No, no, to make you smarter. <laughs> yes, maybe. I and you would that. you would think it's <laughs> counterintuitive, counterintuitive. Uh, right? That, yes. Um, nah. All right. Well, that's about it. Unfortunately, we have run out of time. And you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll put people out of misery. I'll give you the name of the uh, technique. It's called trepanation. Trepanation is the technique of drilling a hole in the head in order to uh, make someone smarter. Uh, it is not a smart thing to do. That is it. You've been listening to The Dr. Joe Show. Uh, check out our website, www.mcgill.ca. You can always email me, joe.schwartz. It's spelled S-C-H-W-A-R-C-Z at mcgill.ca. We answer all of your questions. You can go to my Facebook page. Uh, join us tomorrow at 2 o'clock. How to do that? Go to the Eleanor London Public Library website. And next Thursday, join us again online uh, for another discussion about COVID and other stuff through the McGill Office for Science and Society. That's it for today. Until we meet again, same time, same station next week, I'm Joe Schwartz, hoping all the chemistry in your life comes out just right. <laughs>